Hello, and welcome to the 27th episode of How to Hold a Pencil. My name is Ruben Ingber, and I'm your host. Today I have with me the uh, a man that needs little introduction, Mr. Dan Mall. For those that don't know, Dan is the founder of Super Friendly, a web agency, quote, building brave sites and apps on screens of all sizes. He is the co-founder of Typedia and the, business, the Businessology Show, and has worked on dozens of projects with people like TechCrunch, Entertainment Weekly, and so many others uh, that I can't even list them all. So welcome, Dan. And for the people who don't know who you are, which I don't think is that many. Uh, why don't you tell the listeners a little bit about yourself? Yeah, sure. Well, thanks for having me, Ruben. Really appreciate it. Um, I don't know. I think you covered it. I, uh, I run a design collaborative out of Philadelphia called Super Friendly. Um, and I, I uh, have a wife and two kids um, who are all incredible. And, uh, you know, that basically sums it up. I think that's the important stuff in my life. Awesome. So, Dan, this is a, a kind of a new question that I'm, I'm asking people. Uh, what's your first memory of the web? My first memory of the web? Uh, oh, boy. Um, I mean, I guess it would have to be just being sort of connected to other people. Um, so I think it was, man, I don't, I don't even know. I think it was probably signing on to AOL or, or signing on to AIM or, or some sort of chat something. And I remember, um, you know, or, or just maybe like getting my first email address, something like that. But I remember actually IMing my, uh, a girl that I wanted to talk to at the time, who is now my wife. Um, you know, we, we met long ago in, in fifth grade, and I remember IMing her way early on, and that was one of my first, uh, my first memories of the web. That's awesome. So a follow-up to that question. Yeah. What was your first email or screen name that you remember? Oh boy, uh, <laughs> you're really getting deep. Now. No, because I think I think <laughs> for our gener, like I'm including you in like our generation, like the yeah. young web generation. It's like your first email address, your first screen name is a hilarious item <laughs> to talk about. So, um, so my first email address was actually. Uh, I'm a big comic book fan, and I loved a a comic book called Battle Chasers. You know, it was like an eight-series run, um, and uh, and my first email address was a character from there called Calibretto. And so my first email address was calibretto21 at email.com. Awesome. (laughs) Um, Well, so... So how so I, I loved I would love to know how you went from calibretto21 at email.com to uh working on the web full time like how did you get your start you know on yeah, the web Yeah sure Well so uh, probably around the same time <clears throat> my cousin uh had just gotten engaged and the the guy that she got engaged to who's now her husband um he was I guess he worked in IT or something like that and I guess as as most of us kind of or, or at least a lot of us get our start. He somehow wrangled a, a pirated copy of Photoshop. So he came over one day and he just like dropped off the CD and he was like, you got to learn this. And I was like, okay, cool. Cause, I mean, he knew I was into computers and drawing and animation and stuff like that. So he's like, you got to learn Photoshop. So I installed it on my machine, you know, and uh, I guess the rest was history. Awesome. So I know from, you know, from that first Photoshop time to where you are now, you studied digital media at Drexel. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think we can agree that not everything in design and digital in the digital world gets taught in the classroom. Um, oh yeah, I think you know a, a lot of learning happens on the fly. So, what types of things uh, have you learned on your own, sort of well, not from the classroom? I mean, I, I will say that I was pretty lucky to be in a good to to be a part of a good educational program. So, I mean, I think a lot of like you said, a lot of what we do is self taught, and I, I you know it's really hard for kind of 
curriculums to be able to catch up to all the stuff that people like us need to know how to learn. Um, but I was pretty lucky to have really good teachers who kind of taught me how to learn this stuff as opposed to teaching like specific skill sets. So I was pretty lucky in that regard. Um, but you know, that said, I, I, I was definitely encouraged and, and kind of driven on my own to learn a bunch of stuff too. So, you know, I loved, I, I guess I just love reading and I love the idea of kind of making things. I think that was one of the first things that, that attracted me to the web where, um, you know, using Photoshop and using Flash, you know, I used to do these animations all the time and I just never knew how to get them on the web. So I would hit a publish button and I would see it would generate a bunch of files and then I would open up the files and change a bunch of characters and see if, see what broke and, you know, just sort of tinkering around with stuff like that. Awesome. So as you were, you know, you know, as you were trying to find these tools and try to learn uh, this stuff on your own a little bit, what types of resources did you sort of use uh, to learn on your own? So I used to visit the library a lot. Um, I actually wish I did that more now. Um, but, you know, the Internet has sort of made that not as valuable anymore. But I used to go to the library and just any technology book that I could get my hands on. You know, I remember reading all the like Flash Five Bible and the Flash Four Bible that I would just find in the library. You know, it was always like older version of software. But I remember just picking up those books and and uh, and bringing them home. And then you know, the internet was full of great tutorials at that time. Like I'm actually finding that when I'm looking for tutorials now, I don't find as many good ones. Um, so I remember like being on Flash Kit's website, and I remember just like seeing a lot of really great tutorials online and uh and I, I learned a lot through that it's so true about the tutorial scene now i think i think there's like a lot of people publishing them but a lot of them aren't a lot of them are a the same stuff and b yeah. they're some of them are just not very good yeah um, exactly i mean I there is fantastic stuff out there but you know some of it you gotta go back and edit people yeah exactly <laughs> <laughs> um so how did you build sort of your confidence uh to build and to build that first item on the web and you know what kept you what kept you what what kept you pushing forward through you know any stumbling blocks that you had you know i, I don't know that confidence had uh, had a lot to do with it at the time i think it was more just kind of tinkering and uh you know at the time there was no pressure to do anything you know i just um, I remember my first website, so the first kind of animations that I built was just for fun. You know, I, I took a class in high school that was, uh, I was lucky enough to, to get into an electronic art class because I had a free elective. And uh, the, my teacher there was teaching like Cinema 4D and 3D Studio Max and, and like Flash 2 or, you know, whatever version was out then. And uh, there, was, there wasn't a lot of pressure. So, one day, you know, one day he would just be like, hey, do you want to build a, I, I wrestled in high school, so he's like, hey, do you want to build an animation for the school's website, on, you know, for the wrestling team? I was like, yeah, sure. So I just, like, build an animation. Um, and, and there wasn't a lot of pressure to make money or do anything that was under scrutiny. It was just sort of doing it to, to do it. Um, and I think that, that really, um, I think that was really great that it wasn't at all about kind of achieving a goal. It was just sort of doing it for the sake of doing it. And I think one thing that, that, was really valuable to me and one thing that when I teach my apprentices or junior designers and stuff like that I try to instill in them is just this idea of being addicted to the momentum of making things right like coding and designing it's like one of the few things in this world where we can actually just take a blank canvas and then create something from that um, and I think that's, an, that's a really addicting feeling so I think once you get used to that idea you just sort of build that momentum and it just goes and goes and goes and I think the confidence is actually gained from, from that momentum you know when you create the first thing there's probably not a lot of confidence that goes with it but as you, as you make more of those things you know it just sort of builds up that, that kind of self esteem and that confidence so 
now that you have uh, a you know a whole team behind you and a team of junior designers and people who uh, you know obviously look up to you on a daily basis, um, what uh, what keeps you motivated uh, to keep pushing yourself forward and like learning? You know, the tools of our trade change so rapidly. You know, if somebody would have said two years ago that people would be talking about using a you know a fifty dollar app called Sketch to build things <laughs> like everyone would have laughed like nobody would have believed you yeah um, and you know so the tools change and our jobs change you know nobody you know your company talk your company site talks about building responsive sites you know from the get go and like that's something you pride yourself on and I think that's something a lot of people pride themselves on now but how do you keep yourself motivated to learn the new things that are coming out rapidly I mean honestly I think if it w- if I was just kind of by myself and and uh, I didn't have apprentices or I didn't have clients or any of that stuff, I don't think I would be self-motivated to learn new things. I think um, apprentices really help me to to be motivated. I find that my desire to teach and my desire to show someone else how to, you know, how to, how to have that same joy that I have, I think that's really what keeps me motivated. So if it was up to me, I would still be using Photoshop 3. <laughs> you know, I, like, I, I don't use any of the new features that come in new programs. Like, I, I don't know how to use them. I just don't really pay attention to them. I use Photoshop the same way that, I've, that I used Photoshop, you know, eight years ago. So, um, but... But when, when someone asks me, like, hey, can you teach me how to use smart objects or can you teach me how to do a, use a layer style or can you teach me how to, you know, write HTML5, whatever it is, um, that makes me want to share with other people. And so that makes me go, oh, well, I should probably learn this so that I could tell somebody else about it. So I think that desire to share or that desire to, to kind of, like, let, like, let other people have that joy that I have in it, I think that's what kind of motivates me to do that. That's awesome. So what was your... I know that you built uh, a bunch of animations for your school, and those were kind of your first, you know, foray into the web. But what mm-hmm. was what was your first web project, you know, for someone like somebody that somebody was paying you? <laughs> uh, paying me a lot, or just paying me in general? Eh, paying you, paying you more than like a sandwich, you know, like yeah, paying yeah, you, okay. like real money, you know, uh, that that you felt good about. Yeah. So right before I went to college, I built a website for it was sort of like a local organization that was associated with my church called the Philadelphia Metro Initiative. And I remember it was like one of those slice and dice table sites where I designed it in Photoshop and I used the word designed pretty loosely. <laughs> um, and then I, you know, I used the slice tool and sliced everything up and then put it together in a bunch of tables in, in Dreamweaver. Um, and I was really proud of that. Uh, and I think it, I think they offered to pay me for it, but I don't know that they actually ever did. Um, so I guess that was the promise of pay. And then when I was in college, uh, a roommate of mine and I, we we you know, as all college students do, we teamed up and we had a, our little mini agency that we did no work for anybody except for one organization. And we, uh, we promised to make them a full flash site with a CMS and they could update content and had all these animations and drop downs. And, you know, it was just crazy robust. And, uh, we, you know, we thought we were big shots because we were going to charge them $500. (laughs) So we were, you know, we were living the life and, uh, and we made the site and we showed it to them and they were like, Guys, this is awful. <laughs> and, uh, and and we were like, all right, well, you guys can just keep the site and you don't have to pay us. So that was... Um, and then they, loved, shared, then they loved it, I'm sure. I guess so. I mean, I guess I just shared two stories of me not getting paid on stuff. So I guess that was the start of my career. <laughs> That's fine. So I'm wondering, you know, a lot of people who are starting out, they learn, you know, they learn HTML, they learn CSS, or they learn design. And then they're sort of, and I know I was, they're sort of like, they have trepidation before they're like willing to charge someone for mm-hmm. the work that they're going to do. Yep. 
how would and I, I I know this is some time ago for you, but how would you sort? How do you, looking back, how do you sort of, um, what type of advice would you give someone? Like, where should they be at their skill level before they can actually sell their services? Uh, that's a great question. I I think that selling selling what we do is really selling anything, I guess, in general is really just about exchange of value. Um, so I'm reading this book called Implementing Value Pricing by Ron Baker. And one of the things that he points out earlier in the book is that for an exchange to take place, each party has to think that the thing that they're offering is, it, or the thing that they're getting is more valuable than the thing that they're giving up. So I think that's, like, that's how it relates to how we should sell work. If we are providing value to someone else and we know that we're providing value to them, then we should get more value in return, right? So, so the thing that I'm going to make for somebody else, I should get more money than that in order to, for that to be an even exchange. I think when you get to the point where you feel like you're providing value to a client or to some, whoever you're building a website for or, or whoever, whatever you're making, I think that's the point where you should charge for it. Before you're doing that, I think it's, it's experimentation. You know, it's like if you don't feel like you can be valuable to someone, I don't think you should charge them money for it. But I think if, if you know that's that, you know, whether it's the corner store or down the street, if you know they're going to make money from the thing that you build them, well, you're, you're providing some value to them. Or, or if you're going to make their life easier somehow and an app that you build or a design that you make or a flyer that you make, then I think that's the, that's the thing that you should charge for because you're providing value to them. You should get value in return. And that could be monetary value or a portfolio piece or, or any of those, you know, any of those sort of things. So I think if you're exchanging value, I think that's a good, a good time to experiment with, with starting to charge for your work. That's, I mean, that's some, some, that's some fantastic advice. And I think a lot of people, a lot of people wait, they, they, they wait too long and then they're like, I just built this awesome thing and got nothing for it. And, you mm-hmm. know, sort of, I think, I think, you know, people should jump in a little sooner than they, than you know more than you think you do. I think. Yeah, totally. I, I, think, I wrote an article on my site uh, called object value pricing. And this is kind of the way that I started to charge, which was that like, don't, don't think about charging money if that kind of freaks you out or if you think that that's, you know, if that's a weird thing to you. Think about charging for objects, right? So, like, if you want to get a new PS3 or a PS4 or whatever, like, how much is that worth to you? Is that worth spending a weekend building something for somebody, you know, if they got you a PS4? Or if you want to get, like, a used car or if you wanted to get, um, you know, tickets to a concert? Like, how much is that worth to you? So, like, that's what I found in, when I was charging where... I've always had a full-time job, you know, as I was doing this professionally, and so I would freelance on the side, but I would freelance for for things. So, like, if I wanted a new camera, I would do a project. I would find a project and get a new camera. Or if I wanted to go on a vacation, I would would do that. And that started to get me in the rhythm of, like, oh, I'm starting to see what my work is worth, at least to me. You know, and I'm starting to see what, what other people think my work is worth. You know, that person that I built that website for, that I made that flyer for, or that I shot those photos for, you know, they thought it was worth... Uh, you know, 200 bucks, which is enough to, you know, to get me like a, a new camera or a new something, you know, whatever, else, whatever it is, a new, a new video game. I have to say personally, that's probably the most fantastic piece of selling advice I've ever heard. <laughs> so I, I will thank you. And I hope everybody else is listening. Thanks you because that's like a brilliant way to think about it, especially if you're working full time and doing this on the side. Yeah, exactly. Like that's just, uh, Mind blown. All right. <laughs> so you obviously, uh, you've worked on some big projects and I'm wondering how you sort of, how do you approach, you know, an all encompassing project sort of like that you are designing, you're building, you know, how do you, how do you approach those? I know 
people on your team help you know do a lot of the work do some of the work or part of the work along the way um but sort of how do you approach them like you know if you're building TechCrunch or redoing the TechCrunch site and redoing their identity how do you approach something like that um well one thing that i found in doing like different sizes of projects you know i've done small like two-page websites and one-page websites and i've done you know thousand page websites and and apps and and all sorts of things and i've found that most projects are actually the same you know so like i don't think the scale changes things that much and i don't think you know like Fortune 500 client versus mom and pop shop. I don't think that changes it very much. I think the the way that I've approached it is just to understand the people behind it. Um, I find that that's where all the success and the failure ends up happening. You know, so when you don't when you don't really understand what someone's asking for, you, the project tends to be a failure because you just didn't listen hard enough. But and and the ones where you're totally aligned with your clients, whether they work for Google or whether they work for some company you've never heard of, you know, I, those are the ones that 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 turn out well if if you guys are on the same page. So for me, like one of the the biggest things is just like really try hard to understand what they're looking for. And again, back back to the value exchange thing, like if if what you're making for them is going to be valuable, you know, then they're going to be happy with it, and it, or it's going to you know it's going to um, meet their needs, you know, that's going to be a good relationship. Um, and if it's not, if, if you're making something for them and you're working really hard and you're putting in long hours for something that they don't care about, you know, then that's going to be a project where they don't feel like they got their money's worth or they don't feel like they got what they, what they bargained for. So I think, um, for me, you know, I'm, I'm less daunted now by big projects or small projects or, you know, or who the company is or who the client is. Um, I, I just, I look at projects as, as to, to find out, like, what are these people actually asking for from me, and how can I do the best job in responding to that? Awesome. So you've just listed a bunch of companies, mom and pop, big and small apps, everything. What's, the favorite, what's your favorite thing that you've worked on on the oh, web? man. <laughs> My favorite thing that I've worked on. It's sort of like picking so your favorite many. child, I think. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I mean, like, you know, I love both of my kids, and they're, they're both awesome, and, and I don't have a favorite. Um, <laughs> I guess the the favorite project is probably the one that's most recent. So I think anytime you'd ask me that, or anytime anybody would ask me that, I would probably just say like the things that I'm working on now because they're the most exciting to me. Um, no, there's there's stuff in the in the past that that has been cool too. Like I mean, hey, I got to design StarWars.com. That's pretty freaking cool. Um, yes, that, it is. You know, <laughs> that was a lot of fun. I'm not even a huge Star Wars fan, and I still think that's very cool. <laughs> yeah, you know, it's like I just get to say that I get to say that. So that's you know that's that's pretty cool. Um, I don't know that I have a favorite. I think, you know, all of them are, are special snowflakes. Awesome. So what would you tell someone who's just starting out to keep them motivated? Um, I think humility is really understated and under, underrated, I guess, in, in what we do. I think there's a lot of people that are heralded, heralded for being very vocal or, or being good writers or being, you know, speaking in front of everybody and writing books and all that stuff. And I think humility is like is really underrated, and I think that's a um, that's a skill that not a lot of people have. That that at least for me, I, I really appreciate, and I try really hard to to be humble as much as I can. Um, I was when I started out doing this, I was just really really cocky, um, and it put me in in really bad situations where um, I remember you know one time in the same weekend, two coworkers and my girlfriend and my brother both said to me that they like they just couldn't be around me because of how cocky I was and um like that like you know that hurt my feelings <laughs> and, and uh and it made me like really think about like how I'm going to relate to people and 
you know, as a designer, my job is to is to communicate and help communicate companies and and organizations' goals. And if I can't be a good communicator, you know, part of that means then then I'm not I'm not being good at my job. And I think part of being a good communicator is just kind of listening more more than talking. Um, so I think uh, you know cockiness and and um, you know it, it's it's different than confidence. And I think humility is a thing that's that's really underrated. So I would say you know as much as possible practice humility. You know. Um, surround yourself with people that are just that like so much better than you and, and, and just bask in how good they are. And I think that's a really great way to, to be humble because, you know, it's hard to be, it's hard to be cocky when, when everybody else around you is better that better than you at everything. That's so true. Um, for someone fresh to the web, uh, or design, where, where would you guide them to sort of get their start? Um, I mean, I, I think, I think working at agencies is a really good thing. You know, I, I Obviously, I'm pretty biased. Most of my career has been spent working at agencies, and, and even now, like, I don't work at an agency, but I, I guess, sort of started one, and I work with other agencies right now. Um, so I think, I think it's really invaluable experience. You know, at an agency, you get to work with people at all different levels of skill set, all different kind of walks of life, different cultures, different backgrounds. You get kind of exposure to that. And I think one of the most valuable things for me about working at an agency was that I got to fail at doing stuff on somebody else's dime. So, like, somebody paid me so that I could learn to mess up and learn to recover. And I got to watch how other people did things professionally. I got to write. I got to watch how people write contracts and how they talk to clients on the phone and how to, you know, how they structure their workday and how long they take lunch breaks. Like all of those things are really, really hard when people like go and freelance right away. You know, so I think I think being out on your own is a valuable experience. But I also think working in a place where you can observe people doing what they do really well and you can sort of fail on their dime. You know, I think that's a really valuable experience. So I would say anybody starting out, if you get the chance, intern at an agency, even if it's for six months or, you know, or three months or something like that, I think it's just really great experience for, for people. Awesome. All right. So if you could go back to yourself at the very beginning, uh, what piece of advice would you tell yourself? Oh, boy. Um, what advice would I give myself? You know, I, I don't know that I would I would really give myself a lot of advice. I, I think, you know, not to say that that I did everything right, but I've had I've been really lucky to have a lot of really good mentors and a lot of people that steered me in the right direction. So I guess if I was like visiting my past self, I would just watch. You know, I would just I don't know that I would interrupt and try to change the future. Like I'm I'm really happy doing what I do now. I'm, I get to you know I get to work from home and spend time with my kids and my wife and and. Um, work with clients that I think are awesome. So I don't know. I like. I wouldn't want to go back to the past and change the future. All right. So uh, what uh, what does the future sort of hold for you and Super Friendly? And you know, what do you you know what do you see going on for yourself in the next you know six months, year type thing? Um, you know, six months and you know six months to a year. I think a lot of doing the same thing. You know, a lot of just. Um, Finding clients that have interesting problems uh, and pro- and problems that I I am particularly good at solving and that you know the teams that I can put together are particularly good at solving. So I think kind of short term, you know I love what I'm doing and I love to continue doing that. Um, a little farther out, you know one of the things that's really important to me is is education. You know I I wouldn't be you know I'm I'm pretty blessed and pretty lucky to have had people that spent time with me to you know, help me learn the things that I've learned and, and be at the place that I am. So I really want to pay that forward. So, you know, my apprenticeship program is really important to me. I think, uh, in the, in the kind of 
medium to long-term future, I'm going to be putting a lot more stock into training and working with people to help them develop skills and, and uh, you know, just sort of pay that forward as much as I can. So you've mentioned it a few times now. What is your apprenticeship program? Because I think people <laughs> listening, I think people listening might be a little interested. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so what I do is I, I do a nine-month apprenticeship with people, um, and it's not, you know, it's different than sort of the typical agency internship. I mostly work with people that. Um, have interest in design and development, but have very little experience. So it's it's not for the person that's like, you know, has a lot of design experience and just wants to get better at it. I think that person can easily go to an agency and, uh, you know, and, and get an internship there. So I, I think this one is more for people that maybe don't really see a way out of the things that they're doing now, but appreciate design, appreciate development, and just sort of need need help kind of learning a trade or learning to get into a different a different profession. So I've had three apprentices so far. You know, uh, one of them was just sort of like, uh, you know, worked at a radio station part-time and but was interested in design. And now he's like, you know, he, he's a freelance designer now and he works with agencies and he works with, with his own clients. Um, uh, another apprentice of mine, you know, he's just sort of like a general contractor, you know, building pools in the summer and, you know, didn't really have a career specifically, but just kind of had odd jobs now and then and wanted to get, wanted to kind of find a career you know, and, and thought that, that he'd be interested in development, and he's now working at a at an agency in, in Philly, you know, as a, as a full-time developer. So I think it's those kind of people that I, I really have a passion for working with and, and just want to kind of help them along. So it's a, it's a nine-month apprenticeship. It's not like a short-term thing. And I ask for them, for the apprentices to be pretty dedicated, but basically we start from scratch. You know, for, for designers, um, it's basically starting from day one is like, Here's how you open Photoshop. Here's how you use the marquee tool. Here's how you make some shapes. You know, for developers, it's like here's how you write your first line of HTML, um, and then all, all the way through to developing a por- developing a portfolio, working with me on client projects, and then ultimately after nine months, I kick them out and I say go get a job or go work at a startup or go start your own thing. That's awesome. Uh, I wish I would have known about this, you know, a year and a half ago. <laughs> um, Might have moved to Philly. Yeah. Um, so the last question that I ask everyone. Uh, where can people find you on the internet? Uh, I blog irregularly at DanielMall.com. Um, I microblog or tweet a little bit more regularly at Daniel Mall on Twitter. And um, if anybody's interested in Superfriendly, the Superfriendly site is superfriend.ly. And you can find Superfriendly at superfriendlyco on Twitter. Awesome. Dan, I want to thank you so much for joining me on this episode of How to Hold a Pencil. I really appreciate it. Awesome. Uh, Thanks, Ruben. Both personally, because some of the advice that you gave to people that are listening is great for my own uh, benefit, (laughs) uh, sort of why I do the podcast. Uh, But uh, thank you so much. And for everyone listening, you can check out some show notes on the episode uh, at www.howtoholdapencil.com. And you can follow the show on Twitter at Hold a Pencil. You can follow me on Twitter at Ruben Ingber. That's R-E-U-B-E-N-I-N-G-B-E-R. And everyone should uh, look out for a new howtoholdapencil.com website launching in the next uh, week or two. And I'm really excited for that. So I can't wait to share that with everyone. And once again, thanks, Dan. I really appreciate you being on the show. Thanks for having me.